Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, and this is the Fabringen show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. The next many weeks we won't be online. Um, Live because of all the Chagim, all the upcoming holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchas Torah. So today we have, uh, I guess, the mandate to try to pack in as much inspiration within one show that can give some insight and some inspiration throughout the Chagim, throughout the coming month of powerful um, days, each one with its own message, with its own uniqueness. Throughout the show, we're also going to play various pieces of uh, songs that are connected to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and, you know, the music is as as important and is probably much more important than the talking, as it creates an ambiance and it, it gives us an energy, it takes us into a zone. And that's really the goal of a Fabringen. The goal of a Fabringen is, is, is not so much what's said, but rather the zone that it takes us to. Instead of zoning out, you zone in. In other words, you really plug in. And... Rosh Hashanah this year, the mandate to plug in is so important because so many of us are distracted, so many of us are fragmented, our brain is in a million different places, and showing up and being present, you know, in the moment is a big cliche, but being present in the energy. In other words, you know, people will say, hey, Rosh Hashanah has an energy, but I don't feel it, so there's no energy. Just because there's an energy doesn't mean you'll feel it. If you plug into it, if you prepare, if you learn, if you reflect, and if you're zoned in at the time, you definitely will feel the energy of Rosh Hashanah, which is a very different energy than Yom Kippur, which is a very different energy than Sukkot, which is a different energy than Simchas Torah. In other words, each holiday has a unique energy, the month has an energy, and especially in our time, each one of them has a message that can hopefully bring life and vitality into our lives. But the first thing that we have to do is actually plug in and say, okay, Rosh Hashanah, what message do you have for me? You know, I grew up in a small shtibel, um, a small little shul in Brooklyn. I would also go daven in the bigger shuls, but in, we, we grew up, there was a bunch of Holocaust survivors, um, Polish Jews, very, you know, all of them with numbers on their arms, very sincere people. There was no rabbi in the shul. And there was no speeches, no drushes. I pretty much, I don't think I ever heard a Rosh Hashanah drusha till one time I went to help a rabbi in Florida do outreach work. I was 23, and that was the first time I ever heard a Rosh Hashanah drusha. And not because I went to the kids' service, I was in the main room, but there was no such a thing as a speech. And I understand the, the importance of a speech. You know, some rabbis are convinced that their whole salary is because they're going to give the one bombastic speech on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so be it. Um, and then they start convincing themselves that, you know, their salary is also contingent on how, many, how long they speak. So then you go into a 45-minute speech. <laughs> but um, I didn't need a speech to really understand the energy, not because I was in a spiritual state, but because I looked around the people around me and they felt it. Their energy was palpable. You would see Jews who, you know, went through the camps and 
many younger American Jews, you know, people born in the in the in in Brooklyn where I was living at the time. And it just walked in and the energy was set simply by where everyone showed up. You walked in, everyone was, you know, covered in their talis, swaying back and forth and and you know, crying out every once in a while some statement that really resonated with them. And that spoke. That spoke. I also had the privilege that, you know, we, while we daven most of the time in the small shul, we would also go to the main shul at the time in the, in the, in Crown Heights where I lived, which was, uh, 770, the, the shul of Lubavitch Rebbe. And I had the privilege as a young child to hear him blow tekiyot, to blow the shofar. There was no speeches. There was no, okay, now everybody, we're going to speak before Rosh Hashanah. The Rebbe didn't talk, but the Rebbe blew the shofar. And believe me, that was better than any speech. Because you understood, based on just looking at his energy and feeling the, and listening to the sound, you understood that Rosh Hashanah is a serious deal. It's a big deal. In other words, whether your rabbi gives good speeches or not should kind of, sorry, colleagues, be irrelevant to your energy on the Chag. The, the Rosh Hashanah should not be coming, okay, let's hear what the rabbi prepares now. Oh, he did his research. He found two funny stories. One story that makes me cry, um, a, a vart stuck in somewhere in between, and, you know, some real crescendos where he screams and he loses his voice. Sorry, I'm laughing at myself. So please, you know, like, and that is so inspiring. Wow. Now, yes, the rabbi should prepare the speech and they should give a decent speech, but that's not what should set the tone for Rosh Hashanah. What should set the tone is our own headspace. You know, in the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah, all we hear, you know, we tell each other is, can you believe it? Another year has passed. Okay, we've said that 50 times. Now, what does, the, the fact is the new year is coming. It's hitting us right at the face in seven days, six, seven days. So, then what? What what energy do I want to walk in? What do I want to get out of it? What what do I want to tap into? In that moment where I'm going to sit on the chair, socially distanced, and I'm going to sit in a shul or at home, wherever I am, and I'm going to plug in. What am I going to plug into? In other words, which energy will I self-generate? Which energy will come from within? Which speech will I give to myself? Because ultimately, the best speech from someone else will never never transform you like the speech you give yourself. You know, often when people have to prepare a vart, they go, they start searching all the websites and all the various speakers and find something that they said. And it's always nice to get a, a, an idea. But if you're sharing someone else's speech, then it's not your genuine thought. Ultimately, it's about discovering your own thought. It's about listening to yourself. And the same thing, yes, the rabbi should prepare a good speech. But what's your speech? Not to the crowd, to yourself. I know you're shy. But but. If you had to sit and listen to your own inner voice, what would it say? Because it's definitely talking. Your neshama is talking to you all the time. Your soul is talking to you all the time. What is it saying? This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM and my name is Rabbi Levi Avtson and... Got a question, who is singing the Rosh Hashanah songs? I thought the question would be, who's talking so well? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's Micha Gamerman. You could search, search it on YouTube. It's spelled M-I-C-A-H as a first name. And Gamerman, G-A-M-E-R-M-A-N. 
Um, he has a lo- lo- lots of lovely uh, combinations of songs for pretty much every Chag. He has some really nice stuff for Shabbat, etc. So this is 101.9 Chai FM, my name is Rabbi Levi Yartzen, and we have to get into the heart of it. That's right, we have to get into... Okay, so, tapping into energy. What energy? What, what energy are we talking about? So, there's multiple energies to each Chag. There's multiple people. I'll just tell you what energy I plan on entering um, over the coming month. And I hope it generates an idea or two in your mind. In other words, just to think in a direction and ask yourself, okay, what am I feeling? Yeah, each each Rosh Hashanah, each Yom Kippur, each Sukkot, each Sukkot is, is similar to previous years and also stands alone. We're told, according to Jewish mysticism, that each year God brings an entirely new energy into the world on Rosh Hashanah, which was never here before. In other words, a year has an energy. Obviously, each day, each moment has an, its own energy, but at the macro scale, each year has an energy. And a new year comes with an entirely new energy. We're praying that this year's energy is, has nothing to do with pandemics and radicalism and addictions. Well, listen, we could pray and please God Hashem hears it. So, Although it's another Rosh Hashanah, you know, like, okay, we've been through many Rosh Hashanahs before, but it's a standalone. It's a Rosh Hashanah of the year 5782, 2021, with a very unique year plus behind us. And it, it, it's circumstantial, you know, each country is dealing with its own way. If you're in Australia now, if you're in Africa, if you're in, you know, in the US, etc., each place with its own dynamics. And then there's the individual, where we're at. So many of us have suffered tragedies this last year. So many of us have been stretched. As one person told me today, in the last year, God sent the world, he sent the world to gym. <laughs> in other words, you go to gym to stretch yourself, to, to build muscle. God, for whatever reason, wanted all of us to build character. So he put us definitely through the grind mill and he just, he pushed us. We've been, we've all been in gym, each one at our own level, at our own, you know, unique circumstance. So we're showing up to Rosh Hashanah this year, different than we showed up last year, and very different than we showed up two years ago. So the question I'm asking is, okay, so based on where I'm at, and based on what Rosh Hashanah has to offer, based on what Rosh Hashanah is calling on me, can I find a bridge? Can I find a bridge? Can I find something that is true to where I'm at, and also true to the day that it offers? Now, the general theme of Rosh Hashanah, according to, you know, Jewish thought, is the idea that we crown Hashem as our king. That's the core of the day. There are many other things that happen. We throw our sins away, we get judged for the year, but the fundamental theme, the underlying, the the nucleus of the day is one thing, Kabbalat HaMalchut, accepting God's sovereignty, accepting a relationship with Hashem. Now, accepting, by definition, means it's my choice. In other words, I'm showing up and choosing by blowing the shofar, by saying the prayers. I'm choosing to have a relationship with God. And by God deciding what will be with me the next year, it's God having a a decision about me. He's choosing. He's choosing what the relationship on our part will look like. You know, will we have health, please, God? Will we live through the year? Will we have finances? In other words, it's really a negotiation. It's a conversation between two two energies, two two powerful 
um, entities, God himself and us. Now, obviously, you can't compare, but we have the God within us. In other words, it's a conversation between creator and creation. Not just humanity, but all the world. All the world is created at this time, and it's, it's, it's the day, Yavr Lifanecha Kov and everything goes past God on this day for, for judgment. And judgment not in a harsh way, but rather, like, in other words, what's the relationship going to look like? So for Rosh Hashanah, what it really is, is it's a conversation. It's a conversation with us to God and a conversation of God to us. Obviously, our conversation to Hashem, we hear clearly. What his conversation is, we'll only know in hindsight at the end of the year. In other words, when we look back at a year, we really start seeing what the messages we had to learn this year through the good things and the challenges. But it is a conversation. And many of us don't see it as a conversation. Many of us see it as just showing up, giving your petition, and walking away. In other words, it's very one-sided. God, please don't, you know, don't let lightning strike me. Uh, please, you know, don't make me, don't let the pandemic have any negative effects on me. And thank you so much. And, you know, I, I, I will see you in another year. I was talking to somebody who was telling me that, the, you know, the reason they fast on Yom Kippur is because they're terrified that if they don't fast on Yom Kippur, something terrible will happen to them. And I thought to myself, you know, on the one hand, it's, it's nice that that's inspiring you to fast on Yom Kippur. On the other hand, that's so tragic, really. That's the way we're going to look at God. Oh, God, please. No, 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 no. I won't eat for 25 hours. But don't, don't, don't throw an asteroid on me, please. Really? That's, is that what we're doing? No, we're in a relationship. We're in a conversation. All the Chagim, but especially Rosh Hashanah, it's really a conversation where we show up with all our baggage of the previous year and we say to Hashem, this is where I'm at. And based on the previous year, this is what you seem to have tested me with. Yes, I haven't passed every test. Some of them I failed miserably. And some of them just felt too big. They just felt like too heavy on my shoulders. But God, can we have a conversation about what the next year is? This is where, this is the lessons I've learned. This is what I am bringing into the new year. Not just baggage, but lessons, insight. Not just a broken heart, but a heart that, that shares meaning. Not just some bad ideas, but lots of good ideas, lots of new perspectives. So that's really Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is when you show up and you have a conversation with Hashem. You blow the shofar, which is where your way of crowning him. You daven the Musaf prayer, which is where, again, you crown him Malchiot, Sichonot, you awaken his memories. Shofarot, you talk about the shofar. It's, it's a conversation. It really is a conversation. And you do a lot of symbolic things. Apple dipped in honey, the tashlich, you throw away your sins. It's the, this whole idea of good energy, good conversation, sweetness, confidence. We dress in, in Shabbos clothing because we're confident that we'll be okay, that it will be a good year. And that's also a thing that, that I believe is worth it a mention. You know, the last 20 months have taught many of us that the best days are behind us, that our best days of our life are behind us. That's the way some people think. And Rosh Hashanah, the idea of renewal, the idea of a new energy is coming and saying, no, God, I don't know how you're going to solve this mess, just like I don't know how exactly the mess was created. But I pray and I, I'm confident this year that Hashem, you will find a solution. 
you will help us move on. You'll give us the tools to end this pandemic and move on to better times. You'll send us good news, good energy. Please, God, Mashiach. In other words, Rosh Hashanah is a day of confidence. Rosh Hashanah is a day of optimism. Rosh Hashanah is a day that the best year is ahead of me. Unfortunately, many of us live our lives where the best is behind us. Oh, the, the good old days in school. Oh, the good old days when we were able to ride the streets without fear. Oh, the good old days of this and that. And nobody had financial struggle and other fantasies and this and that. The good old days. Now, Malika Yaren, the, the once upon a time days. In other words, what that statement says is the best of life is behind us. What a miserable way to live. Not miserable because it's, you know, ethically or morally wrong. It's miserable because you have nothing to look forward to. You're only looking forward to less than what you had. That's shocking. No, our best days are ahead of us. Truly. The best days of us as individuals, the best days of us as a community, the best days of us as a country are ahead of us. And when you switch that narrative and you say, Rosh Hashanah, you're here to tell me that this year is new. I don't have to carry the baggage of, the la- of my whole lifetime into this year. I can allow this year to offer new messages. I can allow this year to teach me new hope. I can allow this year to let me fly. Then the year hopefully offers that. If we walk in broken, lack of confidence, cynical, and that's the energy we're bringing into the head of the year. That can't be healthy. Rosh Hashanah, we're told, is the head of the year. And if the head is healthy, the whole year is healthy. These are 48 hours that we, we ought to work so hard to be in a positive headspace. At least for 48 hours. When you sit around the table with Rosh Hashanah, whether it's you alone, whether it's immediate family, whatever. Don't talk about covid and don't talk about riots. And don't talk about emigration. The worst idea ever. And don't talk about anything else that taints the energy. Talk about life. Talk about meaning. Talk about purpose. Talk about hope. Talk about joyful things. At least let's get these 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah right. Let's get it healthy. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Shul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And my name is Rabbi Levi Avtson. I finished reading all, gosh, there's so many adverts. I have to say it was uh, interesting after me bashing immigration to have an advert about it. But let everybody make a living and everything should be fantastic for everyone. Um, but yeah, if you've been listening to my show, you know that I think it's a horrible idea on multiple levels. And I'm talking as an American. And don't tell me it's because I have an American passport. No, it's because I've seen the world away. And I just wish we could count our blessings over here and see the place what it is. So that was Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah was renewal. Then we come to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is not the time that you fast because God's going to punch you in the face if you don't. It says, uh, that's pretty, I have to say, uh, disrespectful to God to just see him as this vengeful fellow sitting in heaven saying, oh, you didn't fast on the day. Ooh, look what's going to happen. Um, no, we fasted because for one day a year we're angels. We fast because one day a year 
Our soul nurtures us, not our body. We are told that there are five levels of the soul according to Jewish mysticism. And on Yom Kippur, the only day of the year, the fifth level of the soul is exposed. The fifth level of the soul is alive. That's why we daven five times, five different prayers. It's the only day of the year that we daven Ma'ariv, Shacharit, Musaf, Mincha, Ne'ilah, five prayers within a 24-hour period. Because it's the level five, the level of the, the deepest level of the soul, the part of the soul that cannot be tarnished, the part of the soul that no matter what you do, cannot be tarnished. It is one, absolutely one with Hashem in the most incredible, incredible unity. Now, that is the reason why so many people take Yom Kippur seriously. It's not because we might think it's because we're terrified, but ultimately it's because our neshama tells us. This is one thing you got to do. This is a holy day. This is a day that you ought to take serious. Whether you come to Shul or not, it's incredible how many people fast on Yom Kippur. I find that deeply, deeply moving. It's just something that's ingrained within us. Just the same reason that everyone pretty much gives their child, their baby boys a circumcision. It's the same thing. It's just, it's that, it, we have this deep feeling that says, okay, this is non-negotiable. This is just important. If I'm a Jew, this is what I do. So Yom Kippur is ultimately when your neshama is alive, when you and God are one, where you're dressed in white like angels, where your your soul nourishes you. Don't try that every other day. In other words, if you start fasting 24-hour periods all the time, it's not healthy. But for one day, your neshama, yes, your neshama sustains you. Your neshama nurtures you. And it's it's powerful stuff, the Yom Kippur. And definitely the best place to fast isn't Shul. Time does go by quickly unless your rabbi gives long speeches and then it must be the worst ever. Just kidding. Um, but it's, yeah, listening to the services, going through it is the best way to go through the day. Um, ideally not watching movies, but connecting. In other words, if you're already fasting and your soul is alive, why don't you nourish your soul? Allow the soul to, to hear a message or two. So Yom Kippur is connection. And in the context of this year, yeah, this year has buggered us down. And this year, this past year, has made many of us very physical, not materialistic, but physical-based. Why are we we're watching our health and we're watching our bodies and we're watching our finances, unfortunately, often depleting? And we're in survival mode. And often when people are in survival mode, they don't allow for spirituality. Who has time for spirituality when I'm trying to pay the bills? Now, that's a conversation for another time about how you could find spirituality in tough times. But Yom Kippur, for the sake of our conversation, it's one day where we have the opportunity to leave the physical behind and focus on, on the, the parts of us that are intangible, the parts of us that COVID can never destroy, the parts of us that death can never destroy, the parts of us that poverty can never destroy, the neshama. The part of us that is just genuine, that level five, as we said, that yechida, that level that is one with Hashem, with absolute unity, with absolute oneness. And we need that. We need to, you know, step away from the, the, the thoughts that have permeated our mind. And for once, once at least a year to remember, I'm not just defined by my circumstances. I'm not just here. I'm some, I'm somewhere else. There was this great story that was shared last year, before, just before Yom Kippur, which I think is so powerful for this year as well. And that is that there was a certain Jew who would be a chazan in Israel each year. 
And he, he had a beautiful voice. His name was Zalman Brunstein, of blessed memory. He had a special voice, but there was something unique about his Kol Nidre on the night of Yom Kippur that just broke hearts. Everyone would cry with him. And, you know, there's many people that have beautiful voices, and there's many chazans that, you know, take the Kol Nidre to next level. But it was hard to understand what is so special about this for you. So they asked him, they said, what's so powerful about your Kol Nidre? And he said, each Kol Nidre I live with a memory. He says, let me tell you, I was in, during World War II, I was in the Russian army. And millions of Russian soldiers, untold millions of Russian soldiers died. Literally, you know, the, the, fighting the Germans, they, they would just send these guys unskilled straight to the front and like, like cattle, sorry for the eulogy, the analogy, both for the cattle and for the animal and for the people. Just like send them to death. My grandfather almost, you know, was spared from that because he ran out of the army. He managed to get out of the army and his brother-in-law who was drafted with him didn't and was shot at the front. So this was real. This was crazy stuff. He was at the front. And one time there's this high uh, ranking general that's coming by his platoon and he hears this fellow singing. And he says, wow, you know how to sing. Why are you being wasted over here? Go join the army. Go join the choir of the Russian army. Well, that saved his life. He went to the army and he, he went to the choir, sorry. And although it was difficult, at least his chances of survival were much higher. Anyways, at some stage they approach him and they tell him, we have a massive concert. You're going to be the lead singer. He looks at his makeshift calendar later that evening and he notices, oh my gosh, it's Yom Kippur. Now, yes, you know, he, if he's forced to, he will, you know, he technically could find an excuse, but he couldn't get his head around it. No way am I going to sing, you know, a bunch of Russian songs on Yom Kippur night. Not a chance. Just like so many brave, you know, students at university say, no way am I going to do an exam on Yom Kippur no matter what. So he, he prepares for the concert together with the whole choir. But on the afternoon, the eve of Yom Kippur, he walks over to the, the, the choir master and he says, I'm sorry, I can't sing. And the guy looks at him and says, are you kidding? You're our lead singer. He says, what do you want me to do? I, I can't sing. I'm hoarse. So um, the guy says, okay, save your voice for another time. So Zalman walks to his room. He's sitting in his bedroom and he's humming quietly the songs of Yom Kippur to himself. Suddenly the door bur- bursts open. Three generals walk in, and they look at him, high-ranking Russian soldiers, and they look at him and they say, oh, come on, Zalman, we know this is not, you're not horse. We know it's Yom Kippur. He looks at them and he says, what? They say, what do you mean, I'm Jewish, we're Jewish. We want to hear a Yom Kippur service now. He looks at them and he says, if I start singing now, the whole camp will hear me. And then they'll, uh, who knows what they'll do for me. I don't sing at a concert and I start singing Jewish songs in Soviet army, not a chance. So they say, no, no, let's go. We, we know where to go. They take him deep, deep, deep into the forest. You know, a few kilometers in. Nobody could hear them from anywhere. They stop at some place and they say, okay, Zalman, now, Daven, pray. So Zalman closes his eyes and starts singing Kol Nidre. Now, as he's doing it, he hears behind him three Russian high-ranking military men sobbing. 
remember, this is 25, 30 years into communism. These kids barely got a Jewish education, but they're, they're, the Yiddish and the Shama, the Jewish soul was alive. And they're sobbing. And he goes through the whole service based on memory. And after it's over, they thank him so much, they take him back to the camp and all's forgotten. So he turns to the people around in Israel and he says, each year on Kol Nidre, I'm not singing for you guys. My mind takes me back to that forest with three Russians sobbing. And just that thought, just that headspace brings the moving memories and brings the Kol Nidre that you guys hear. In other words, Kol Nidre, Yom Kippur, is an opportunity for us to allow whatever energy we're in to, to not define us, but to be able to fly beyond it, be able to see beyond it, to be able to go back to our best selves. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Chul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, and I only have one minute left, and I told you I'll cover all the Chagim. So here's the one-minute meditation on Sukkot and Simchas Torah. Joy, unity. Gosh, that talks for itself. Sukkot, the theme of unity coming together, binding all four, sitting under the sukkah. And Simchas Torah, the theme of joy. Those two themes resonate always, especially in our time. When we're strained, we often get more variable than ever. We cause more issues than ever. Our relationships are strained. Keep the unity going. Keep the relationships going. And of course, everything including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot, has to be permeated with joy. Everything is with joy. Joy comes from meaning. Joy comes from purpose. So I want to finish this show, and before we go, listen to a few more songs of Rosh Hashanah, wishing you and yours a ketiva You should be inscribed and signed into the Book of Good Life. May Hashem shower His blessings on you. May this year bring in abundance of revealed blessings, blessings that we can all see are blessings. I won't be on for the next little while, as many of the Chagim are on Tuesdays. I will see you in about four or five weeks' time. But until then, wishing you and yours the best of the best. Shana Tova, thank you so much for being part of this.